three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 64. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are going to have a working podcast, not a working lunch, not a working breakfast, but a working podcast. We both have things we are wondering about today, and we're going to try to help each other. We we literally were like asking the question, and there's like, no, wait, let's just talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so we're so gonna- this is what it's really like, but Tracy and I didn't run together because I crewed for her to run a 50K. Woohoo! So we don't get to talk when you only get to see her for 30 seconds. Yeah. And the goal is to have her out in less than 30 seconds. Yeah. So. And to have her water bottle unfrozen. Yeah. <laughs> the only math that the, the that we were talking about was how many gels were in my pocket. And they struggled with that to get it to three. We did not struggle. <laughs> Rachel struggled. I'm totally throwing her under the bus. Okay. Because after you left, she's like, what kind of math was I doing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not the right kind. I I believed whoever was saying that there were three in there, and then the, y'all kept going, and I'm like, I don't care. I just got to keep going and admit that there's three in here. That's all. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, it was. It, thanks for being there. It was, it was super fun. It was great. And I finished, and I'm taking today off to catch up on the rest of life before I go back to work tomorrow. So, all right. Um, so Ruth has a question about, Cuisinier rods and fractions. So, so let's we hear bought question. them last year. Yep. Super excited to use them. And now I'm realizing I probably could have pulled them out. I have pulled them out twice for just here's some cool math stuff. We're going to have a math day play with them. But it wasn't guided play okay. at all. So they've seen them. Um, but there was also like magnets at one table and other cool stuff so it kind of probably all blended together about what they're doing so i know that i should give them time to play yes but being 12 year olds i feel like if i just let them play for a whole class they're not gonna they're gonna get bored with it i'm gonna have to do classroom management and so i want to maybe do guided play like can you figure this out? Can you figure this out? But I don't know where to go with it. Um, my The whole idea is that I want them to know that we're going to use these to help us with fractions. So how can they help us with fractions? Okay. Right? So um, I have some questions to ask you. First of all, do you have anything you have to teach before you start? Like, is, do you have any days of other random stuff to finish up before you want to? No. Okay. So this, all right. All right, that's one thing. Second thing is, um, have any of them used them, do you think, in other classes, in other math classes, like really used them for math? I'm going to say no, because they're not at the school I'm at. And so possibly if someone came, like Walt, Mm -hmm. maybe, because he's from a different school. Mm -hmm. But But for the most part, no. no. Okay. So Walt. what a great name for a kid. I know. Yeah. And he's hey, a great Walt. kid. Yeah. Oh. He just I don't know got that I've ever known a Walt that was less than sixty. Student of the month. <laughs> oh cool. It was so cool when he like they had to tell him in the cafeteria. Yeah. And everybody cheered. Yay. It was just so sweet. 
That's awesome. Um, okay, well, I, I do. I'm going to still go with let them play. And I'm going to go with that because I and here's my, my reasoning is that you're going to have, I think about my fourth graders and they died to play with them even way into the year. They really just wanted to build with them, like stack them and, and make stuff out of them, patterns and stuff. And if you, um, you've got to have some kids that are on that side of like maturity level that are going to want to and so they need you're you're gonna get angry if they are still trying to play with them when you're trying to build with them you know work with them for real Uh, that's one thing and yeah that's my reason i I just think that there are plenty of the people in your so how long are they gonna play like uh 10 minutes oh okay well that's good i all right i can do that all day no 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 no. like okay I think five might be too short if this is going to be like their only time. I'd say 10 minutes. Okay. So their warm up time. Yeah. The, the bell rings, and I usually give them 10 minutes after the bell rings to do their warm up. So yeah. potentially they could have 15 minutes. Get yeah. the set that you have. And I don't have to like notice and wonder. You just play for the first part. Yeah. And okay. then I think the next, I would say the next thing is notice and wonder. Okay. Like that's your very next. Okay, we're let's let's maybe put them away, maybe not, and and notice and wonder some things. Okay, you could. I don't know. You could sort your. I'm not sure. I'm just throwing this out there that maybe as their comments are made, you could sort them into like mathematical comments and not. Is that even worth it? Are they all going to be mathematical comments um, or just write them down or, you know, I don't know. Um, I would notice and wonder next. Okay. And then, okay, so where are you thinking? The, that answered your first question, right? That answered my first question. So, oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm remembering now that Hannah, who is a third grade teacher that I'm going to end up talking about for my question, she asked me the same. She was going to do this too for her very first time, using the, using them, and mm-hmm. and she was like, "But I don't know what they're going to notice and wonder. Like, I'm I'm really, what am I looking for? What do I want?" Was them she to wondering say? what they were going to wonder? Yeah, she was. <laughs> and so I did write down a list of things that would be the kinds of things you'd want to hear. I I will put this on the show notes, but some of the things I sent her were that you're wanting them to talk about the whole staircase idea mm-hmm. that each rod is the same size bigger than the next one which is the difference is the white size cube but right. each rod is one white cube bigger than the next um and the next one is equivalence that you can put rods together to make trains to make another rod so like two yellows make an orange that kind of thing um the a third the white is the unit so that every other they're, they're not going to say that but something they say could lead towards sort of restating it that way that, so is that still correct if we are dealing with fractions we don't want the orange to be the unit um i mean i know that anything could be the unit so maybe sure keeping it i guess i guess the idea that Every other block can be made out of whites. Even maybe maybe we don't state it like that that the white is the unit, but every other block 
can be broken down into a certain number of white pieces. Okay. Instead. Yeah. Because um, you're right. Saying that white is the unit would confuse them that that has to be the one all the time. And that's the whole point of using them for fractions is that it's not. Um, I don't know if this is, would come up for you, but it came up for her because what they were going to work on, that the white blocks are one centimeter long. You know, that that, that is interesting to to me that the, the orange is 10 centimeters and 10 whites. I think that's kind of cool. So I also saw when I was looking up this stuff that a teacher used them on a whiteboard that had centimeter um, blocks already drawn on it. And so mm. the students could put the white inside a box and then they could illustrate them by drawing them and shading them. Yeah. And they were all the same size. Yeah. So. So you could get it. It's you could give graph paper. That's one centimeter mm-hmm. graph paper that could be useful in some kind of recording. That's good to keep in mind. Um, and then. I wrote, the last one I wrote was need for a staircase. Um, and basically, I think I meant like, if we build the staircase and either just leave it on our desk as a reminder of what the pieces are mm-hmm. or draw it, make an anchor chart, make a note in your notebook or whatever, that's something you can refer back to. And I have to tell you that, so both of the third grade teachers did this and um, one is a brand new teacher. And she told me that when they, she did it for multiplication this whole intro lesson and and really had some very interesting discussions. It was cool. And she told me when they got to fractions, she was doing the fraction museum lesson that we've talked about on here before, where they just model a given fraction and all the different manipulatives that they can find. And they want and some kids wanted to um, use the Cuisinaire rods and they actually were like, oh, let me go get my notebook. And they got their notebook out to look at the numbers instead of like figuring them out again they got their notebook out to look at what was the different color what numbers they were which she was really excited about that they referred back to that the fraction museum yeah that's a good one it is a good one she bit big time and just had such cool discussions and we've spent a lot of time talking about it in the last couple days she started with a um she started with a lesson and that next like that afternoon she was like holy cow that was way too easy and they looked at me like I was stupid like what you know we know this <laughs> move on and so then I was like okay well here's one that'll probably get you a lot of misconceptions and and it did it showed some a lot of things that they knew but she also found some misconceptions and then that guided her next lesson I need to go back and listen to that yeah so that's episode 19 the one called that's a lot of f words if you want to if you want to go back and listen to it the fraction museum one is pretty much at the very beginning of that on your way to work this morning yeah i'm gonna do that um okay let's get back to the question so those are some that might help you know what are some things that they might say that are like oh that is a big idea let's park on that for a minute okay does that help that helps so then do I do some kind of guided, like, let's see if you can figure these out. How do you think you would show one third? If I'm, so I feel like the next day we would do Fraction Museum. Um, with only Cuisinaire? No. With, with everything? With everything again. Okay. Um, but I want them to be. Like, I want them to want to use the Cusinaire rods. Mm-hmm. 
so do I say how many different ways can you show one third? How many different ways can you show one half? Is that where I go next? Or do I do that page I showed you that's called true or false? Is white one tenth of orange and is light green one fifth of orange plus yellow? And so I think it's so new that jumping into that thing that you showed me this morning that we'll put on, we can put that on the show notes. Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to confuse some of them. I I would go into, okay, we've had, we've, we've had time to play, time to notice and wonder. I would go into everybody show one half. That's how I used it when I did it for the first time in my class. Everybody show one half and you're going to get all kinds of things. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's, good for the discussion like you're going to get kids who lay out you know they're they're going to immediately know what to do so they're going to lay out the 10 and then they're going to put the five with it and then they're going to try the next smallest one they're going to see it doesn't work so they're going to go to the eight and they're going to lay out the four like you're going to get kids that are going to do exactly what it is um but then you're i got kids who just were like bam and they put the block down on the table like that's one half it's they didn't put the whole you right. know, but they realized every single block could be half of something. And, you know, it's kind of a smart aleck answer, but it's kind of brilliant at the same time, you know. Um, I think I think it's worth talking about what can come up from that. And I think you that also can give you an opportunity to talk about how the hole could be bigger than the orange. That could be the place, like, you could purposely talk about why there's no halves of half of them, you know, but also why or how you can make the whole bigger and have other pieces be the half. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like build a 12, a, a, an orange and a red makes a 12, and then the six could be the half. So even though that feels kind of lame to just make one half, you could get those two points out of that task, quick task. Doesn't have to be long. And then go into... You might do it again with fourths or thirds or something, you know? Okay. Would that come before or after your fraction museum? That would come before. That would come the same day, I think. Okay, yeah. We're still noticing and wondering, and then it's just going to be guided, noticing and Mm -hmm. wondering. Yeah. Yeah, let them stand up and look at other people's desks, you know? But then... I mean, you're getting close to what a full what would be the full lesson. You need some. I do think you need something at the end that would be a challenge. So, what could that be? What if I showed them twelve, and said, "Show me two thirds of this." That's good. So, if I just put the orange and the red up there and don't tell them it's twelve, mm-hmm. and they have to prove that two-thirds of this is on their desk okay so now it's pointed to okay so we're gonna that's that's the first day yeah that'll take the whole time that'll take the whole time so then the next day is a fraction museum right and they and i would say for your purposes since you really want to develop their use of this tool that they have to use them and maybe they have to use them two or three different ways you know like that's not too hard for most of them Mm -hmm. and it'll push their thinking you know and so maybe 
I'm, like I'm not remembering the Fraction Museum, but maybe you have to show an addition problem that equals the fraction that you were given. So you're going to use the Cusinier rods to make an addition problem. Hmm. As part of your hmm. fraction museum. And then we'll see if they're able to do, like, did they do it with common denominators? Did they? Wow. I'm, I mean, I, I have struggled because I think about my students that I'm picturing and you, I do know your students have two more years of math. Like I'm p still picturing my fourth graders and then I'm picturing your sixth graders, which I often think are very much on the same level. Right. You know, but I'm thinking that they, my people wouldn't have been ready for that. So really quick, remind me of your fraction museum. It was just like four fifths. How can you show me that? It would, yeah, they would get a fraction and they were all different or not all different, but no, I think I think I repeated each fraction twice in the room so that somebody on one side and right, somebody on the other side yeah. had the same one, but they just had to show it in all the ways that they could. And so they had every single manipulative that I could think of that you could possibly use with fractions out, and they just showed it over and over and over on their table, and they've made a museum exhibit of that particular fraction and just modeling it. So what if at the end of that museum... You have to find the sum of your fraction and the person beside you. And you're saying that because you think that in sixth grade, this should be something they can already do. And yes. if they if they can't immediately, they don't have the algorithm, then they do have the manipulatives. And hopefully they've picked at least one manipulative where they've modeled it the same way and they can do it concretely. I actually think that's kind of cool. So, and then I kind of have a pre-assessment of where they are. Yeah. You know, because, I, I mean, in reality, we're moving. Like, yeah. I need you to be able to add these basic fractions with unlike denominators so that I can do subtraction, you know, mixed numbers. with mixed numbers. And we can move into that. And my plan was to... For them to be able to do a quiz of some sort on Friday, an assessment of just adding and subtracting basic fractions with unlike denominators. So the whole being able to find the least common multiple, I'm letting the parents know. I'm giving them access to all these videos of this is what your child already knows about fractions. This yeah. is what we're doing in class. So I think we need to... I would wonder, now that you're reminding me how far ahead your kids are supposed to be and also how far you have to go with fractions, um, remind me why the, what is, would be the purpose of doing the Fracture Museum in sixth grade? I'm not questioning the use of it, but what's the purpose of it? So for me, I think it's a couple different things. The fact that it's, there's so much fear. I mean, that was the episode that we talked about how when you just say fractions, kids are like, nope, I can't do fractions. And so, they there's just this like shutdown. And so I can't start with you already know how to add these fractions. 
and slap up some problems and make them do it. Because a good chunk of them don't. Yeah. And even if they could, it's just this like incessant anxiety. Okay. Um, So if we start with cues and air rods and we've made these fractions and it feels like we're playing with kindergarten blocks, okay, we can do this. So now let's play with all the things. Yeah. Okay. So that's really why is to just like, see, math is fun. There's no, there's no need to be afraid of these. Mm -hmm. They're just numbers. And also let's be realistic. How much time do you think they got in third and fourth and fifth grade to just have kind of freedom to right to do those yeah building. i really just don't know yeah in a lot of cases i mean if i think back to when i was first teaching fractions i i used the heck out of fraction towers but we didn't use many other manipulatives mm-hmm. um and let's be honest when i was doing fractions like in first grade we like colored pieces of paper mm-hmm. it was like this is a fraction. The yeah. number on the top tells you how many to color. The number on the bottom tells you how many there are. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, check. We got it. So if that's how they were taught, you're right. They mm-hmm. haven't. And and some of the I'm, – I'm also thinking back to what was hard for my fourth graders would be like on the um, geo board – that was one that was tricky that made them think because they, first of all, they wanted to use like the pegs as what they were counting, not the space, mm-hmm. not not use it as an area model. Um, but then also like, okay, how do I get the right number of parts? How do I make choose the whole to make the right number of parts? Because this thing doesn't have the right number of parts I need. Like that was a good one um, that did challenge them. Okay. All right. I think it's a good idea. I think it so part of it is a feeling kind of thing is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is building the base for the kids that don't have it. Um, but then I also think it can help you uncover misconceptions, too. OK, moving on. So then you're going to go into addition and subtraction next. And are you going to go back to the Cuisinair rods somehow or? Well, I think that kind of leads you into the question that. Um, Hannah, Hannah asked you about least common multiple because I was watching a teacher use the Cusinair rods for fractions and you're going to have to remind me of the colors. Okay. A fourth. Like she did. Let me just go look at a picture. She did a, um, she was adding one-fourth and two-fifths, and she was showing them how they would need to find the least common denominator. Okay. And so she said, I'm going to take the, I'm going to. I'm going to take the fourth and I'm going to put two of them beside each other and see if it lines up and it doesn't. So now she just kept grabbing a fifth and a fourth. And, okay, and but hold on a second. Up. You mean, you're really meaning like a four and a five or is it a fourth and a fifth? Like, 
Maybe it. I think it's a four. It must. It had to have been a four and a five for that to work. Okay, so it was a four and a five, and the way that she showed one fourth was what color is four? Yellow. I don't know. It's not yellow. That's five. <laughs> Hold on. Let me look it up. Then it's, it's a- orange. Four is pink. Okay, so she had the one, the white one, and the pink one. To show and that one. was one-fourth. Okay. So she modeled the numerator and the denominator with the actual numbers of the blocks. Okay. And then she had two-fifths, which meant she had a red a over yellow. top of a yellow. Okay. So then she took the denominators, and as I was saying, she was taking taking a four, taking a five, and lining them up until they were equal trains. And did she keep keep bringing the numerator down with it too so every she didn't time she do was... it until the end okay so now that we have the numerate now that we have the common denominators they have it modeled and it looks like a ratio and then she went to the centimeter board and she colored in it and she showed why one fourth this was still one fourth even though this one had more colored in because one fourth of what was colored in. Um, I was trying to find it to see if I could put it in the show notes. I'll have to look at it again, but I can't find that particular teacher. But I had never thought of the whole least common multiple thing with just the least common multiple of four and five means you just keep trying until they're equal or the least common multiple of four and eight. Once you pull up that second four, you see that it matches. And so eight is your least common multiple. I think I think it's a great visual. Oh, for sure. It's and probably the best one I can think of, you know, to to make least common multiple concrete. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like, you know, I've just taught that and tested it. Mm-hmm. And you wished you'd used it. <laughs> yeah. But. I do. I wish I would have used it for them to see it because my um, essay question was explain how you would find, well, first find the greatest common factor of these two numbers and the least common multiple of the same two numbers and now write how you did it and you can use any method. Well, every single student wrote just a list of algorithms, like find the prime factorization, put it in a Venn diagram, multiply what's in the middle Hmm. and not really demonstrating you have to find the largest number that goes into both of them and so you know yeah we we did that we talked about different ways to find the greatest common factor but they just fell back on the list of steps that you simplified it to yeah yeah all right so i when it comes to cuisine rods and fractions i think that the they're great for modeling i think they are great for finding the least common multiple. It does get wonky when you're like that whole modeling from, it feels like the hole is getting bigger or something, you know, when you, mm-hmm. when you are, cha- when you are finding equivalent fractions, I don't, that part is ugh, to me. So yet, you know, I don't know. So still, maybe not yet. Yeah. Because let's think about how you're going to change one-fourth into five-twentieths, right? Mm-hmm. 
eventually. So then it would be like two orange rods to make the Well, it would just be four. It was just a repeated fraction. So it's helping you see that you made your bars, you made your set, you made your model five times bigger. But because you also made Uh, the amount five times bigger, you still have the same fraction. Yes, your whole is five times bigger, but so is your piece. Yeah. So it's an equivalent fraction. Okay. So I think there's merit in understanding why we multiply by five, but what we do to the bottom, we have to do to the top. Yeah. And that's why. So your pieces can be bigger. Huh. Interesting. Because I... I, um, going back into the, what, <laughs> that, uh, mm. I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking about that question about why you multiply by f- the numerator and the denominator by five. Because in both fourth and fifth grade, the teachers, as, we, as we've been talking about fractions in the in backwards, or no, maybe third, whatever. They're both like, I don't understand. Why, what does this mean? Why are we doing this? And every time I, my best model I could go to was like a pizza and cut it into fourths and then show them how if you would when you chop each slice in half again you're doubling the number of pieces that there are all the way around and if you have some shaded you're also doubling how many there you know there are um but it feels weird because it feels like you're dividing them Oh, you know, mm-hmm. but you get twice as many, so you're multiplying the number. So we've been we've been wrestling with that a bit, but this is interesting. The make it make them both five times bigger feels different from the whole pizza one. Well, and it's easily modeled with cues and air rods because then you fall back on. Remember when we showed one half. And some of you showed one half that was this big, and some of you showed one half that mm. was this big. Yeah. Well, this one half was still the same fraction, but it was five times bigger. Yeah. That's cool. So there is your equivalent fraction. And I just have to, like, put a plug for the identity property. Do yeah. you share that with your teachers when they're like, why does that work? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which brother is that? <laughs> oh, oh it's monday you're missing property brothers monday i know the students were like are we gonna do that you're skipping it we're skipping it it's not monday <laughs> she's gonna have chip and joanna Gaines tuesday <laughs> oh my son went to chip and joanna Gaines. what do you mean he drove to waco texas oh like just showed up at their house like no <laughs> <laughs> that's where he took his wife for valentine's day what do you mean? But do they so have, have a, a place? show or, or something? Oh, Magnolia! Like that's their great big store. Oh, see, look, we've we've stumbled upon Ruth's corner of pop culture. <laughs> Wait, we gotta like park right here for a minute. <laughs> I'm familiar with the two people, and when you said Magnolia, that's familiar for her. Like I know that's some their brand or Is something. Is that a store? Yes, but okay. I didn't know it was it's like a place you store. could go. Okay. In Waco, Texas, okay. and my son didn't really know where he was going, but his wife decided that. That's where she wanted to go for Valentine's Day. So they got in the car. You live in Texas. You got to go there. Yeah, but okay. Texas is great big. Yeah. If you're not already close to Waco, that's Are they not close necessarily. To it? They're not close to it, but they drove and made a whole weekend trip. Aren't and they, they stopped by the Alamo, and that's not on the way either. So I was about to say, I don't live in Texas, and I don't have a map 
commit to memory, but I don't think those two are close. They're not. They just wanted to do lots of things when they were in Texas and they don't have kids and they are just doing it. Good for them. Shout out to Jay Prophet. He delivered me flowers to school on Friday. Uh, Shout out to Mike. He did too. What? Fist bump. (laughs) Yahoo. Right in the middle of a test. Nice. And he like snuck in and was just really quiet and they were all really quiet. And I didn't see him. And then he was standing there with roses. And I said, this is Mr. E. And they're all like, yeah. And then he kissed (laughs) me. Wow. I know. Wow. So that's awesome. It was super fun. I bet your flowers didn't say happy I love math day. (laughs) My flowers did not say anything. (laughs) Nothing? No. No. Flowers can't talk. Well, mine have a little note in them. They didn't even say who they were from. They just said, happy, I love math day. I love you. And then I had to put it together. I'm not like, nobody (laughs) else would write this. I'd like it right, like when I ordered them, it asked for your name. So I put my name and I thought, oh, well, that's what they're going to print on there. I didn't know it was going to be a mystery card. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was pretty obvious. He was sitting right beside me because he was there to help. And who else is going to write that? Maybe my mama, but she wouldn't have delivered me flowers. So, (laughs) okay. We got sidetracked. Um, I like the five times bigger thing. Why have I not ever thought of it that way? Okay. Um, are we ready to... You got enough to get started? Yeah. I think I... Because then we're going to move into adding and subtracting, and we'll probably have to, like, pull out papers and pencils yeah. to do that. Yeah, at some point. So, okay. Let me read you Hannah's question. It's okay. very much related. Um, so... As we've talked about her a lot because she asks me a lot of good questions, but and she's also been on the podcast. But Hannah teaches third grade math, but they basically have to do half of fourth grade math, um, sort of an acceleration process going on there. And mm-hmm. so she is tack she's tackling or thinking ahead to our SOL four point five, which is add and subtract fractions. It's so interesting that it's written this way. The the SOL is you know about adding and subtracting fractions, but right inside of it, the part A says determine common multiples and factors, including least common multiple and greatest common factor. I think it's so, it's just an interesting decision that that's inside of the addition and subtraction of fractions, SOL. Um, She'd said, I love some help with best practices for teaching the following standards. And then she goes on to say, not sure when the common multiple part fits naturally or if it's a separate skill. Also looking for ideas to teach it that don't rely on tricks. I'll need some training on this. Uh, Like, what is the math behind it so I can teach it best if that makes sense? What a great question. And how awesome of her to be thinking like two weeks ahead to realize, okay, I don't really get the big idea here. Help me out. I love that. I love that. So we're going to meet one day this week, I think Wednesday, to go over it. And so now I'm definitely thinking Cuisinier rods. And I think that she and her partner will be all over that because they've bit with multiplication. It's yeah. Very much as multiplication. So this fits, af- in my mind, it fits after how do you model a fraction? Um, probably how do you compare a fraction, right? Um, right, because you're using benchmarks and Mm -hmm. common numerators common denominators Mm -hmm. um and then it fits to me after adding fractions with like denominators there's no point in tackling this before that true and then do you stop for a minute and like she said do this as a separate skill or do you 
wait till you need it. Where, like, this is a good question. With how difficult it is for the students to get the vocabulary words straight in their head, I think it's got to be you take a break and you and you discover just this. Okay. Because if you waited until they needed it, so let me show you this, you know, you have to find a common multiple to make a common denominator. I just feel like that's so much. I can't put my finger on why this whole GCF LCM, like one of my friends, one of my students, but he's a special friend. He sits down to take his test and he's like, hold on a second. I thought this test was over GCF and LCM. And the kid beside him's like, it is. The first question says, what's the greatest common factor? And he's like, oh, that's what GCF stands for. Oh, no, Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and this conversation is like right in the middle. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. Yikes is right. I totally failed because we just said GCF and I didn't say greatest common factor. Like nowhere did you, I'm sure you must have said it somewhere. I did, but he just missed it. Yeah. And And you used the abbreviation for the last two weeks. So, okay. So this is one of those cases then where you develop the concept before you ever give it a name, if you can, which you kind of tried to do with your real life problems. Yeah. But but she could do it with her um, rods. So it would be like, find the shortest fence link length that somebody could build out of pink or green or something like that you know um yes i look back is at this the fence colors. at sweetbriar this fence is at sweetbriar okay, yes it's pink and green, pink and green. Sure. that's our <laughs> local women's college that has those colors no um, one else will get that reference there it's all unless right unless they google it's it it's just for us yeah okay except for the hmm. 100 people that listen maybe <laughs> okay yeah so right that's that's the three and the four, which would give you 12. Yeah, I think you, because my introduction to this was like just context problems all over the room. So I, I think that's where you go with it. Well, I think you. And, okay, sorry, I cut you off. Go. No, I. I think that's where you go with it. And now I'm like rethinking, maybe I didn't give them the words in a specific way once they had, you know, figured out how long the fence was going to be or, yeah. So you go. So first of all, besides fences, what else could they, because in case that's not interesting enough, what else could they represent Fences, not interesting. So I, my favorite least common multiple kind of question or task is when are they going to do it again? If you run every two days and you swim every five days, when are you going to do both? Okay, I hear you. I also think first it needs to be something that is literally long and skinny that 
you would put end to end to each other. Like a mm. like it needs to be more of a concrete model of the concrete So the one thing. that I did was um, racetracks. Like my racetrack pieces are six inches and your racetrack pieces are 12 inches. Okay. What's the shortest track we could make that would be the same length? Okay. Because I'm picturing they do some exploration where it is the thing. It is the racetrack or it is the piece of fence mm-hmm. or it is the piece of ribbon or whatever. I don't know. Um, and then the next step is they're still using the model, but now it's days or three hot dogs and two buns or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be like Something that, that doesn't have to be end to end, but you would yeah. still use it end to end to find it. Because it, then it's representing a number of days or a number of hot mm-hmm. dogs or something. Um, but so that's how I would tell her to go. Still not using the name of it yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so then there would be some context problems. So I'm just having this thought, like what I could have done. <laughs> if you have done those context problems and then you show the actual numeral on the board and you notice and wonder. So you had a three and a four inch fence and you ended up with 12. You had a two and a four and you ended up with four. You had a three and a five and you ended up with 15. What do you notice? What do you wonder? So you're not looking at models now. You're just looking at numbers. We're talking about the least common multiple. Yeah. And let the student say, oh, well, all of these numbers can be multiplied to get this number. Except for the two and the four. But you couldn't. But they might be able to say that because you could multiply the two by two to get a four. Something could be multiplied. And I think there's benefit in having some where three times five is 15. Right. And then having two times something is four. Mm-hmm. And let them figure that out because a student is going to say it that way. And then you would, as a teacher, say, well, what do you think about this one? How does this one fit? How does this one not? Or it's it's different because they they probably could name that the two was a factor of the other number. Mm-hmm. You know, the two is a factor of a four, which made it not us not have to multiply them together. They fit, already fit inside of it, you know. Okay, so then they put them on the board and they notice and wonder about the numbers. Or what's the same and what's different. Yeah. Or just any kind of number talk now that you've mm-hmm. had those examples in front of you. Okay. Could even <laughs> maybe... Let's say they had four fence problems. They could even do the same exact numbers next with their context problems. You know? Oh, yeah. And not necessarily point it out, but just see if they are like, oh, we already we already saw this, you know, now I'm and then use those again one more time to notice up on the board. Okay. Okay, so then how do you do Greatest common factor. Greatest common factor with cues and air rods. Okay. So greatest, let's pick, let's pick some numbers to start with. What's the greatest common factor of 12 and 15? Let's say. Is that a good one to start with? 
I, I mean, or we need, do we need numbers less than 10 so that they can have one block? Or is it okay to give them a 12 and not have it be? Is it okay to have to make a 12 to then find something that goes into it? Or is it more visually appealing if your numbers are less than 10? Okay, so like 10 and 8, 10 and 8 to start with. Okay. So you're asking what's the biggest block you can use to build both of those. Mm Mm-hmm. That you can repeat over and over to build both of those. And then it would be the red. It'd be the two. It's not very interesting below 10. Because it's all, I mean, there's, you can use twos for. So what if that's where you got your centimeter paper? And you drew the 12. And you drew the 15. So you didn't model those numbers with whole, with blocks and then you put pieces inside there I feel like that's maybe I'm off maybe it won't bother a student to have a 12 that's two different pieces and try to find the four that could fit in there or the three that could fit in there I I don't I don't foresee it as a problem but I could be wrong but I you're right it's not very exciting under 10 you're not going to get a whole lot of stuff so what's the con- like the last time it was fences if she can't come up with something better what's the context this time why are you taking an amount why are you taking two lengths and breaking it into parts that are the same so now you want to build a fence that's 12 inches or 12 feet and you want to build another fence that's 15 feet but you want all the pieces you only want to buy one kind of piece yeah and you want to uh, yeah you want to buy the biggest piece that you can because it's the cheapest (laughs) or something per piece or because you have to put up less of them if you buy the biggest ones you have, then you don't have to mm-hmm. buy as much hardware in between your pieces. Or so the uh, there you go, or the all match. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then what's the next? What's the next real life? Con- Remind me what these even look like in real life context. So problems. in real life, it's like you're making. Um, what did we do at school? We did. You're making. Um, packets for your homeless shelter and you have 16 water bottles and 20 granola bars if all your packets are going to look identical what's the greatest amount of packets you can make okay those aren't as easy for my brain to wrap Mm -hmm. my head around okay I'm going to go backwards a little bit I'm sorry and that is maybe she should Teach the least common multiple one and then go into adding and subtracting fractions with unlike denominators and not even put this greatest common factor thing anywhere near it. Maybe. Because that's why they get them mixed up because you do them day one and then day two and then you're like, which way am I going? Right. So that makes sense. If you do the least common multiple, then you use it in your fractions. You don't need the greatest common factor until you're simplifying. 
which annoys me because you don't actually really need the greatest common factor to simplify anyway. You can just keep dividing by, I, I prefer to, to just divide by common factors until I, until they have mo- no more common factors, you know, but based because of the standard, I wouldn't even teach greatest common factor if, if I didn't have to. So your algebra teachers would be frustrated with that. Okay. Because when you're finding, like you have to find the greatest common factor of monomials and you're including letters in that. And so if you have M to the fourth power or 8M to the fourth power. Okay. And you want to just keep dividing it by two, then knowing what to do with your exponents on your variable gets really tricky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So, Yeah. Yeah. We've left Jay out this whole time. Jay is still here. (laughs) How you doing over there, Jay? Oh, I I can't hang with whatever you guys are talking about. Um, So I like that idea of, Teaching the least common multiple, then using it in fractions. Then teaching greatest common factor. Mm-hmm. But uh, I struggle with how you explain why. I, I get I get why to teach least common multiple, and I get how to explain it to them in third grade, why they, they should care. But, uh, like... Uh, why do we have to simplify fractions just because that's what it is on a test? I guess maybe maybe it's that if you don't simplify your fractions, then you get if you're doing multi-step problems, you get these really ugly denominators and you don't want to keep working with that. You want to make it look nicer before you have to do another step to it. Like that's what that's a reason to care about simplifying. Other than just you're gonna see it that way on the test, which is a lame reason. So I would go back to to modeling it or just life in general. Would you rather cut a pizza into fourths or would you rather cut it into sixteenths? Yeah. We just like working with simpler. It's easier to hold the slices when it's cut into sixteenths, but you can't fold them as well. Right? <laughs> All right. You've given me enough to start to think about here. And she's really good at, she and her partner are really good at, like, taking a little idea and running with it. So we've gotten a good start. I think the, I think the order is important, and we figured that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Che Prava, you got anything mind-blowing over there to share with us today? Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Thanks to um, Math and the News on Twitter. I found something okay. interesting last Thursday. And it said... It's not necessarily uplifting or cheerful, but in the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, I don't know if you remember that happened back then, um, that oil spill released 795 million liters of oil in the Gulf of Mexico. And at the time, satellites showed the spill covered 149,000 square kilometers. Wow. They say now a new analysis shows that the area was about 30% larger than that. Whoa. How much longer was the spill's radius than we thought? Hmm. 
and they they do there's a, a an article and they go in to say you know the spill wasn't perfectly circular it's not like mm-hmm. but it's a good way to kind of it's a good math problem did you work it out i did and so i'm so glad <laughs> originally 149,000 square kilometers um the radius of the spill would have been 217 kilometers okay and 30% larger is 193,700 square kilometers which has a radius of 248 kilometers. So really only 30 kilometers larger. I mean, granted, that's a lot of space, you know, but, you know, when you're talking about thousands of square kilometers, hundreds of thousands of square kilometers, the actual spill radius only increased by 30 kilometers. So 60 overall for the diameter, if it was a perfect circle. That's less than you ran this weekend. That's right. Yeah. A lot less. So you could have run the extra distance of the radius, except you can't walk on water, so never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a lot of... <laughs> anyway, that's a lot of... I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, and, you know, it's a... It's great big numbers that, you know, you hear when, when we have disasters like this and, and accidents where oil spilled in the water and it's happened... You know, so many times in my in my memory that I, I I kind of the different the different spills have kind of blurred together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you know, it's easy to when it happens sensationalize it and make it sound like it's the worst thing ever. But that's a lot. That's a great old big space. Yeah, that was you know just a, a yucky oil slick on top of the water. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, you're welcome. Ma- and the, what was that Twitter? Twitter math in the news. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It I is. Started following them, and they they have interesting facts and problems connected with them. Yeah. Good sources. Okay. What's your takeaway, Ruth? Uh, we just planned my whole week. Okay, perfect. <laughs> That's my takeaway. Her takeaway <laughs> is homework. Lesson she's, plans. She's done. I'm lesson glad plans. you're. I'm glad you're take, going away with lesson plans. My takeaway is the. Definitely the fact that equivalent fractions in in Cuisinier rods, I have a different way to conceptualize that, N- that you're making the numerator and the denominator both the same number of times bigger. And I had not thought of it that way. And I like that. Make, going back to the ratio mm-hmm. idea, it's cool. I'm going to be wrapping my brain around that. All right. I, I'm not going to see you tomorrow for a run, but we might walk. All right. Do you, you want to walk? Do we want to walk? Yeah. Okay. Did you go for your walk yesterday? I did go for a walk and yesterday. And you're going to do yoga, so you can't. Yeah. We got to do. Yeah. We don't have to run. We're going to walk, and, okay. I'll, and I'll run again on Wednesday. And I already yesterday sat down and made my um, <laughs> my plan for the next month and a half because <laughs> I have another race, a big race coming up at the end of March. And so I made my um plan and I sent it to my pseudo coach which is Alyssa like does this look okay and I haven't heard back yet so I'll let you know <laughs> all right it's been this real one, this one the uh oh. the crew doesn't have to go follow you all over the place yeah you just run laps for 12 hours yeah it's a 12 hour race and the and the not route, laps around a track like you know a big trail course yeah the route is a three and a half mile loop and you come back to the same spot every three and a half miles and so if you want to come, which I doubt anyone would want to, you'd be hanging out at this beach in the cold 
um, at a state park and then every three and a half miles said, hi, I'll take a pierogi. Hi, can I have a grilled cheese? Give me some of those pickles. Yeah. I drink the pickle juice. Let me change my shirt. Can I have a thawed out gummy bear? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's been real. See you tomorrow for a walk. All right.